Luke 23, verses 44 through 56. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, Barrett, you're back in the chair. Uh, So glad to be here. So glad that you are here. And we have a a grim and yet very hopeful passage today, which is the death and burial of Jesus. You know, I think it's really interesting. One of the last conversations that we have of the apostles recorded Mm. before the death of Jesus is they are arguing about which of them is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Right. And then when the hour comes and Jesus you know, really begins to inaugurate his kingdom through Mm. his death. Mm. None of the disciples are really present. Um, Except for John. Except for John. Yep. And, you know, I think Luke, the way he tells the story is so interesting because the last people that we see with Jesus, it's, it's these Mm. mourning woman, Simon of Cyrene, who's from a long way away, Joseph of Arimathea of the council, you know, like, we kind of have these random people who are on the peripherals of the story of Jesus. Hmm. And yet they're the the faithful, they're the faithful few. And so we kind of see the like least being the greatest here, right? uh, which is really interesting. So what are your thoughts on Hmm. these verses detailing Christ's death and burial? Uh, I mean, that is a, that is a great, a great point. Um, just kind of building out the whole the whole scene there of these faithful few to, that are there, and so sometimes you know you get you get men and or women that you know have these huge flexes in front of people like they're this great spiritual giant or whatever. Yeah. But it's sometimes those that fall in the process, and, yeah. and then you have these like quiet you know faithful followers yep. who are who are there to the end and they endure. So I think that's an awesome point uh, to make out of this passage, but. You've got Jesus on the cross, mm. literally on the cross. He's been nailed to a Roman cross mm-hmm. um, with the Jewish, you know, religious leaders who essentially put him there. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, this is a this is an interesting passage. There's darkness that comes over the whole whole land for three hours, and so you have. I mean, I don't even know what that's about. Like, yeah. is, is that like 
crazy storm clouds that came over that sometimes can produce like, you know, a, a darkness or um, was it a special three hours where it was like literally like the sun, you know, as it says, the sun's light failed. Yeah. Which is a very interesting yeah. way of putting that. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it was darkness and it says that the curtain of the temple was torn in two. So I'll just give a quick word to this. Um, this is one of these phrases. You also find it in Mark 15, uh, where the, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and Mark says, from top to bottom. Mm. And so it, it's it's almost as though God himself were grabbing the curtain yeah. of the temple and, and you know, rending it in two yeah. from top to bottom, from God down to man. Mm. And the significance of that is that the the curtain temple was the temple, very thick curtain. I mean, it'd be like three inches thick. This is not like your little curtains that you have on your window at home. This mm-hmm. is, these are like, this is like a very thick curtain that would cover the Holy of Holies, the innermost sanctuary of the temple. Uh, the temple was split into three parts and this is the third part that was in the innermost part. And this is where the presence of God dwelled. And so for it to say that the curtain of the temple was torn in two, um, is very significant mm. because only one person was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies one time of year, and that was on the Day of Atonement, and it was the high priest, and only the high priest could go in. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if he did not carry out certain uh, rituals before God and you know, obviously have the right heart before God as well, if he did not carry those out, then... Um, then he would go into the Holy of Holies and actually be consumed by God's wrath. Or, I mean, really it was like the glory of God that mm-hmm. would consume him uh, because he wasn't in right standing before God. And so now for the curtain to be torn in two, it essentially means that the Holy of Holies is open mm-hmm. to all. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is what the death of Jesus is actually accomplishing. So it's a, it's a small little phrase stuck in there in Luke's gospel and then also Mark's gospel. But like the significance of the curtain being torn in two, I do not want it to be lost on us. It is actually massive. And I think a lot of Jewish readers would immediately pick up on the significance of that. Mm -hmm. But it takes a lot of explanation for us Westerners in 2023 to to understand the significance of what this would actually mean. Absolutely. And it's resonant with Jesus's prophecies against the temple, basically saying that you know, he, he can destroy it and rebuild it in three days or, you know, foretelling the destruction of the temple. And there's just this idea throughout Jesus' teaching that he knows that what has been, what has been and what is, is soon to be voided by his new covenant that he's making. And so I think that the temple being torn in two, like you said, like that's a very potent image. If you read it through like a biblical theology lens, um, you yeah. know, I, I think so often when we talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus, we really just talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus. You right. know, we, we talk about the cross and then we talk about the empty grave, maybe like the waiting in between. Um, but, you know, a few weeks ago I was, uh, so Christ Church for Holy Week, uh, Christ Church, Presbyterian Church in Midtown, they did a, uh, a great uh, Holy Week devotional podcast mm. series. And one of the days was the descent. Mm. And um, one of the things I talked about that I thought was really interesting is how the descent is, it's a, one of the most pivotal like literary devices, whether you're talking about like Lord of the Rings 
or the Odyssey. Hmm. And so actually there's there's a sort of concept called the hero's journey and it's sort of hmm. the classic template uh, that heroic stories you know, throughout time have been told and it kind of starts with the call to adventure right. and ends with the the return of, you know, the hero. Hmm. But the pivotal the pivotal point in the middle is the descent, the descent. into darkness. So whether hmm. it's into Mount Doom or yeah. uh, you know, into Hades or whatever. Right. And here in today's reading, we we have the descent of Christ mm. into darkness, and you know there's a lot yeah. of debate specifically surrounding the Apostles' Creed about whether Christ descended into hell, yeah, yeah, right. um, whether he was kind of in this soul sleep or whatever, right. and that's just a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, but regardless, we do know that Christ here he descends into darkness. Yeah, and I, I love thinking about how purposeful that is. That you know Jesus you know, we've talked about this a lot. He wasn't just haphazardly killed, hmm. but that he's actually on a mission and it's to to bring souls to God, hmm. to reconcile God and man. And, you know, I, I've talked about this before, but there's a there's a painting or it's an engraving in uh, the High Museum in Atlanta, but really there's like a ton of different variations of it called the harrowing of hell. Hmm. And it's, it's this image of Christ post-crucifixion pre-resurrection and it, it's this rendering of him like in hell literally pulling prisoners out of a dungeon right and there's all these demons like yeah, looking yeah. so disturbed and I, I think that that's a it's a great image to to think about and, and to help our imagination and vision like Jesus he's not going down helplessly but he, he's actually going down to come again in triumph mm. and he knows that's his purpose and it's really powerful just to see god's sovereignty and his power in descending into darkness so that he can ascend again yeah, with yeah. a host of captives like the psalms talk about yeah i think I, I think you're absolutely right i mean there's a physical darkness that comes over but it's actually signifying you know this extreme darkness mm -hmm. that is coming over jesus's soul at this moment and it's it's the curse of sin, you know. Second uh, uh, Corinthians five twenty one talks about he who knew no sin um, made was made to be sin, so yeah. that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Yeah. And and so in this moment, Jesus is becoming sin. Like mm -hmm. all the darkness of the world is being placed on his very person, on his mm -hmm. soul. And so um, it's that is a very very interesting thing to think about. Just not just the. Uh, sometimes we tend to focus on the physical pain of like the nails going into his hands, you know, the crown of thorns and the blood that would be streaming down his face, mm -hmm. and, and those type of things. And I mean, no doubt. I mean, extremely excruciating pain. Mm -hmm. Pain, uh, but the pain of of the father turning away yeah. and and willing to crush his son mm. with the weight of sin on his soul in this moment is, um, I, I mean, I would say that was the most painful part Absolutely. of what Jesus had to endure as he's on the cross. So I, I think that's great, you know, and we, we move on to the, to the burial here and just say a quick word on that. But I mean, you've got Joseph, this guy who's mm -hmm. from Arimathea, traditionally known as Joseph of Arimathea. And, um, I, I do find it interesting that he was, it says here in verse 51 that he was looking for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so there seem to be these like few like God fearing 
uh, Jews that are out there. And my mind immediately goes to Simeon and Anna in the temple at Jesus's birth. And they were both like looking for the consolation of Israel, looking for the redemption of Israel is what it says of those two. And so it's almost like God had like given faith to these certain individuals along the way. And Joseph is one of those that even though he's a part of the council, he, he also is looking for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So he has this, he has this sense that like Jesus is, has to do something with the coming kingdom of God. Yeah. And I want to be a part of that. And yeah. so, you know, the Lord, obviously God obviously uses him to uh, take the body of Jesus and, and place it in a tomb. Yeah. And he's so faithful in this very strange, mysterious moment because mm-hmm. he's waiting for the kingdom of God. And by that faith, you know, he, he possesses this righteousness, right? But, you know, Jesus is, is in this moment dead hmm. and doesn't, you know, even look human. Like he's marred beyond, you right. know, humanity. And yet he still, through this faith, he he honors Christ. Hmm. And, you know, I think that that's a great word of just like we see this obedience and active faithfulness that, you know, it, it's kind of a complicated moment because yeah. Jesus is not this like living, reigning king. He's not performing signs. In fact, he's, he's gone this dead. whole time without performing <laughs> signs and now he's dead. Right. And so it really is, it really is like a, a striking example of mm. faithfulness. And, you know, as we close, I'm a, I'm reminded of the transfiguration a few chapters ago and we're told that up on that mountain um, that Jesus was he was speaking with Elijah and with Moses hmm. and it says that they were they were speaking of his departure that he was about to accomplish hmm. and you know that Greek word as we talked about is is exodus hmm. so they're speaking of the exodus he's about to accomplish and you know thinking back to Moses in the exodus he he meets with God on the mountain of God and he is sent back down into Egypt and he goes to Egypt and, you know, through the mighty hand of God, he brings out this nation of captives. Mm. And then he goes up again to the mountain of God and receives the new law, the new Mm. instruction. And that's exactly what Christ is doing here. He he's Mm. come literally from the mountain of God, from the throne room of heaven. Mm. And he's gone back down into Egypt and now he's going back with a nation of captives that he's freed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow. I mean, that's that's epic. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's amazing how how connected the whole biblical narrative is. And it's not just connected for the sake of it, but it's all connected in Christ reconciling us to that's God. exactly right. So, Love praise it. God. Mm-hmm. Um, may we meditate on that today and live like we've been freed. So for Barrett Fisher, this is Will Carlisle. It's only going to get better from here. So we'll see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. 
We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.